Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 85, week 85, volume 85, number fucking 85. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Tyler from Gideon, and that will be coming up later in the show. As we do every week, we start things off with a bit of feedback, a bit of questions, a bit of what's been going on. And this week, we've had a shit ton of shares and likes going on for last week's episode with Pete of Remembering Never, either Coven and Bishop. Thank you, everyone that tuned in. Thank you to everyone that shared it. And thank you to Pete and all the bands he's in for sharing it on their social medias as well. All of that is vital to helping us grow. And it was also vital to us getting a lot of listeners to the show. I also want to take a moment this week to say thank you to every guest that's come on the show. We're 85 episodes in and I have to pinch myself when I look at the guest list we've had already. I also have to pinch myself when I see what's coming up. It's amazing what we've done. We're not slowing down. There's so much more to do. There's so many more artists to speak to. So everyone that's got with us, whether from the start or from our recent episodes, stick with us. Big things happening. And also, thank you, everyone, for getting into what we do. It's pretty hard to describe what it means when you put in all the work and hard yards and hours that I do for this show and see that everyone really gets into it. The only thing I ever ask, and I ask it every week, I know, is that you help us out with a bit of a share on your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Maybe tell someone about the show. The support means the world, so help us out. Share it. Tell someone. All of it helps this show grow. The other thing I always mention as well, and sounds like I'm beating a dead drum here, but it is really important. If you're on iTunes podcast, give us a five-star rating. doesn't have to be five. You could do a four. You could do a one. Whatever it is, give us a five out of five rating and also give us a review. It only takes a minute. You can write a sentence. You can write a paragraph. Whatever it is, let us know what you dig about the show or what you hate about the show because when you put that in there, it helps other people know about the show, but it also helps the show get out to more listeners. So basically, guys, a lot of rambling there today, but thank you to everyone. I see you all, I love you all, and I appreciate you all. Let's get into the part of the show we are tuned into for, though. This week's guest is Tyler from Gideon, and oh my fucking God, what a dude. So unbelievably stoked I finally got him on the show. Men a lot. Thank you so very, very much, Tyler. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. Meant the world for me as a big-time Gideon fan, but also meant a lot to the show. It's an exciting conversation, a nice, in-depth, real conversation. We get to know about the man himself. We get to know about the bands he's been in and a lot of other things along the way. It was a really great chat. I'm glad we got it done. Thank you again, Tyler. That chat with Tyler is coming up now. I always kind of start off with kind of the same question for everyone, and it's kind of when growing up, um, not necessarily a heavy band, but do you remember discovering 
music was a thing through an artist like was it like an Aerosmith or was it like a you know Elvis was there someone that really piqued your ears to music yeah man um it sounds weird but like what when I was well first of all I guess it was kind of always a thing for me because my my family is super into music my grandmother moved to Nashville I live in Nashville born here my grandmother moved here to pursue a music career um in songwriting uh when when my mom and my my uncles were young you know like teenagers um and then my my dad's side of the family is also a my dad's a musician and a songwriter guitar player singer um and so i kind of grew up around music being like uh just a normal everyday thing. Both my parents sang in the church band back when I was growing up, they sang together and, you know, it was always a thing, something I never even thought was, was, uh, I never remember like discovering it. Like it was almost like everything I listened to was like a musical journey for me, whether it be pop music when I was a kid or, or whatever. But yeah, my dad would have band practice and let me sit behind the, the drums and like, mess around and that's kind of what really got me into um paying attention to the both sides of music not just like listening to it but like full-on like recognizing songwriting and melodies and things was just like my parents gave that to me you know um but i definitely remember like whenever i got into uh lincoln park as a kid just kind of that was whenever lincoln park and some 41 were these two bands that like kind of made me think about the prospect of playing music or being in a band um, just from watching like what they were putting out at the time. Um, So I'd say it would be something like that probably would be the first when I had my first inclination about, about like actually playing music. So obviously music's in the house and everyone's into music and performing music. So obviously your family were very supportive of you playing music then was it like did they kind of guide you towards playing guitar or did you want to pick up something else like the drum kit first uh well it's funny my my dad never kind of he never pushed it on me it was more so like uh singing we yeah. would all sing me and my sisters and my my parents would literally sing us to sleep like harmonize <laughs> singing us like the bed you know pretty crazy but <clears throat> uh my I moved in with one of my uncles. Uh, I think I was in like seventh grade. Um, and previous to this, I had like my grandfather had passed away when I was probably in like third grade, like super young. Um, and he passed away and left me a guitar. I'm actually looking at it right now. I still have it. It's like a '60s Gibson Oof. or '70s Gibson um, SG. So I had that when I was a kid and I didn't really even touch it. It just kind of sat in my room. My dad, I feel like was like, if he wants to do it, he's going to pick it up and start messing around, you know? Um, so that's kind of, kind of what happened. I would, I learned, I remember learning, uh, one or two, I've learned like simple man. And, uh, what was, it? I learned a Metallica song or nothing else matters. It's like the easiest song to play on guitar. You don't have to fret anything for the beginning of it. And I was like, I'm doing it. Here we go. Um, so I, I had like messed around because, you know, this guitar is sitting in my room and I'm playing with it. Like since I was in third grade and then I moved in with an uncle who was, um, a lot more, who was, who was an incredible musician. His name's 
Eric Wimsett. He was he was taught by um, some actual actual legends, um, and I lived with him for about a year. And uh, he was he grew up in Nashville as well, and was um, Victor Wooten and Reggie Wooten, who are just kind of like let Victor Wooten's a bass legend. He's the dude is arguably one of the best bass players in the world. Um, and his brother plays guitar, Reggie, and they, they've done lessons in Nashville for forever, you know, since the eighties, nineties, probably. Um, so my uncle learned from those guys and I just happened to like, we, my family moved in with, with them. And, uh, so every day, uh, we would just jam. That's kind of how I learned how to play guitar. He was pushing me to play bass. Um, and I was just, I already had a guitar, you know, so I was, I was already obsessed, you know, as even as a kid, sixth, seventh grade, whatever it was. Um, so I was, uh, he would teach me guitar licks, but he's like, I'm a, I'm a bass. The dude shreds on guitar. He, he's a bass player through and through for sure. But, but, uh, so he kind of instilled some bass knowledge in me as well. And I have a huge respect for that. And I could have easily taken that fork had I not had this guitar for, for so long, but he definitely, uh, he showed me a lot. Get, he, in that time, I can't believe that he had so much patience to just sit and jam with me. He would just switch guitars. He'd be like, all right, you play bass and I'll, I'll play guitar for a minute. And we would switch and show me a bass line. Just straight up built it from the ground up. It's fundamental um, that kind of that kind of support and that kind of mentorship is um, unheard of and pretty unique. I mean that that's probably vital to where you are today with your playing abilities, having such a young you know support base. Yeah, certainly is. Um, and uh, I didn't see him for a while. Only recently, I've, I've uh, gone back and you know I just kind of went off and went and did my own thing by the time I was, you know, finishing up high school, I was already playing in bands and, um, from seventh grade to to 10th grade, you know, I was playing hours and hours a day because of him. Um, so definitely was, uh, I'm super lucky to have had that influence, um, getting me started. I I definitely don't feel like I would have, I would have pursued it the way I did had that not happened for sure. And having the back, like my, like I was saying, my my whole family is just in the music in general. So having that support was a huge thing too. They were always just like, "Wow, you're you're really going. There you go." And from day one, they've I've had the most supportive. And not a, not everyone can say that. So I feel very lucky. What was it like though? You know, getting into bands like Lincoln Park. You know, you you're in, you're growing up in Nashville and. For anyone listening that doesn't really know the area, it is very much a Bible Belt area. Um, mm-hmm. So what's it mm-hmm. like as a kid who's in a faith-based area, faith kind of family, and you're discovering music that isn't very necessarily faith-driven? Yeah. Well, there was like a lull in my life where we weren't really going to church. This was, this was when I started playing music, and I think that's partially... Uh, where that came from, like how I ended up getting into those kinds of bands. Uh, my mom was married to a guy who was super into, uh, this is before I even played music. This was just getting into music. But uh, my mom was married to a guy that was really into like, um, he's really into Misfits and Dead Kennedys and mm. old punk stuff. And uh, so for him, he was in hip hop, old hip hop, 80s, 90s, even late 70s hip hop. Um, 
so he was definitely a big driving force in my music taste as well. And he's the one that, and that, that guy was not in amongst all of the people that live in the Bible belt. You know, he was one of the only people I had really even met that wasn't, wasn't like that. Um, didn't, he was Jewish. His family was very, was very traditional and he was kind of like the, the punk child, I guess, uh, when he was growing up, but um, he was definitely not into Christianity and was kind of like really down to open my mind to all this culture that he experienced in the eighties with skateboarding and punk music and, and all of that. Um, and so his way of like transitioning me into like, cause all I was listening to at the time was just pop and hip hop on, on, you know, like current hip hop on the radio. And he was, so he kind of like eased me into it. He would like throw out an old, hip-hop album or he was also into computer science and stuff and downloading albums before that was ever even like at right as it was all happening with Napster and shit and so he was like give me some artists and I'll throw in some too and I'll download you a bunch of I'll burn a bunch of CDs for you so and amongst that was Linkin Park he knew that I liked hip-hop and that was kind of like a rock transition band you know for a lot of people who who listen to hip-hop um rap you know so he so he threw in lincoln park lincoln park became an instant favorite uh some 41 threw that in there because that was like the closest thing to what he was listening to that was accessible to me um and yeah man we just really started a fire um getting into that music was was definitely a huge a huge turning point uh for me and my musical taste and even like gideon got to do warp tour and uh, some 41 was on it and that was, you know, probably the coolest thing I've ever got in my life <laughs> because of that. So what was it you like? Them a bunch. Where'd your musical taste go from there? Because while you're playing guitar in those formative years, where's the big leap that brought you to kind of what you play and write nowadays? What was, what was the transition? What was the band that really brought you a bit heavier? Cause I'm not saying Lincoln Park and some 41, um, yeah. heavy but if yeah, you look at heavy. it if you look at it in comparison it's it's very um light compared to what you do now yeah. or what you play so what what yeah, was the transition definitely. yeah so well i know that the like i was saying earlier the first song i ever learned um on guitar it was i can't remember if it was um, metallica or um or leonard skinner but i know metallica was one of them and uh, i kind of gotten into that so my my uncle who who taught me um super open-minded with his musical taste so i'm coming in with you know lincoln park and that kind of shit and he started showing me pantera metallica Mm. even pink floyd old blues jazz old jazz from the 50s and you know that so basically i took this turn um basically i took this turn at at pantera and i'm not saying i'm like i love pantera now I didn't really, really digest it for a long time, but one of the first metal riff, like actual riff I learned was, was definitely a Pantera song that my, uh, my uncle showed me. And that was kind of, and I kind of had my, like my, what I listened to and what I played was so separate for, for the first few years. Um, cause it was, you know, trying to get the basics. I didn't want to start. And especially with someone who was actually classically trained in music and, was very versed in theory like he he didn't want me i mean 
I I would have played whatever I wanted to. I was playing a little bit of new metal here and there, like a little riff here and a little riff there, but he wanted to make sure that I was rounded and where, what angles I was coming and coming from with my playing and like showed me a lot of stuff that still holds up to be like legendary influence, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, well, that kind of stuff was huge in my first playing. I was pretty much just playing the blues <laughs> at first, you know, <laughs> kind of a great gateway uh, to, to guitar playing, um, to learning to, to improv and things like that. Um, it was a big, a big help. When, but yeah, I mean, whenever, but there's, there's definitely another step past that. I, I know that I was listening to like Under Oath, Ooh. that band like uh, was a big, was a big thing for me. I, it was unlike anything I had ever heard at the time. And like this, you know, I'd listened to Slipknot and Mudvayne and stuff. And those bands were always heavy, but I got into underground music through bands like, like Under Oath, you know, and like playing shows, um, just going to shows. Nashville was such a place, such a community for, um, going to local shows when I was a kid, it would be like a local fest with like 600, 700 people there. Um, we were hanging out every, every week at our local, like badass venue that we had at the time, Rocket Town. Uh, it's still a venue, but it's a little different, changed locations and stuff now. But yeah, all the kids that grew up in, in Nashville and went to a show were immediately hooked, you know? And that it all just kind of played in. I was like, man, I'm playing music. Like, I want to go see a live show. Go and see one show, and it's like game over. You know, <laughs> the most accessible shows to go to with the lowest ticket price are always going to be the local hardcore metal shows um, for any given town. You know, and when you're, wh- I think that had a big thing. And you're big, in uh, this. I think that had a lot to do with it for sure. You're in this process also during, you know, the formative high school years. So, um, you know, As Hell Retreats was, you know, for me, the one that I first know of you and remember you playing guitar. So in in high school, were there bands before that? And were bands like Under Oath integral to you starting out trying to do heavy music that was based in... Christianity, because without forwarding too much, we know now that you guys have come out and said, you know, where your life is now. But those, that band and that period, there was a lot of uh, attention for Christian bands. It seemed like there was always another one popping up. So was it in, integral for you to be in a band that was heavy, but in a Christian scene, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, it definitely makes sense. Well, for me and a lot of the dudes um, that come from the area that I come from, like, really, Christianity was is just a part of life in this part of the world. Mm. Like, growing up, and I'm almost envious of people. I mean, I'm I would not take back the life that I that I grew up in and like the the values that I've learned from that. But like, I almost envy people who were just grow up given some sort of choice and not just told that, that, that is, that is everything. Cause mm. I was, it's never presented in, in, in this kind of life lifestyle. It's not presented as like an option. It's presented as absolute truth, 
and you're taught it from the moment you're born, you know? So basically us me getting into Christian music had everything to do with it just being what my life was. Mm -hmm. That was my entire life. I'm like four days a week at church, you know, I'm playing. And as I, especially as I started playing music, you know, like I've, I was in the church band by age 13, I think, 14, yeah. maybe eighth grade, um, just already playing guitar and learning, just getting chord charts and playing in the church band. And uh, that's how you meet a lot of people who are, who are into music and say, like, for me, I'm playing at church and we had a, I happened to go to a church that was, that would do metal shows. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in, uh, I think I was in like, I was just in high school, you know, I'm playing music on stage and like dudes who go to metal shows are, are just happening to, to be attending this church. Cause we do shows at this place. And then there's just a community outreach. And a lot of the kids grew up the same way I did. And so they're like, Oh, my parents will let me come to this church and we can listen to the kind of music that we, that we like here or accepted, you know? Um, so for me, it was like, damn, dude, I'm just playing on stage and these dudes who know more about metal than I do come up to me and start talking about metal, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I listen to these bands, this band, this band. They're like, well, you don't know about this band. And it just kind of grew, um, under oath to like death metal and Mashuga and things like that. You know, it just all kind of like started clicking and it's like had a million bands at my fingertips between that and my space, you know, it just blew up. And, um, Christian, the Christian metal scene was so accessible, mm. you know? And for me, it was like, I can't, I didn't, there's no way to tell how far it reached in the United States. You know, I'm just a boy living in Southern America. Just all I know is every band that I think is cool is the biggest band in the world to me. And everyone knows about them you know? Mm. Um, so I'm sitting here just like, man, I wish I could, I want to play this kind of music. I want to be part of this, this community. And I want to, uh, I want to get out and, and play, you know, I want to do what they're doing. You see like videos of all these bands that you listen to on MySpace, like doing tour update videos. And, and that was it. And before I knew it, I'm completely engulfed in Christian metal in general, you know, like I'm a huge, I'm a part of it, you know, went from just, just playing at church and meeting metal dudes. And cause the dudes in Nassau retreats went to my church and they just, we literally, there was some battle of bands or a show or something that we did. And I remember like, I had already looked these dudes up knowing they were from our town and like, listen to them. And they came out and like, I'm listening to August Burns Red or something. And these guys are like bobbing their heads. And I'm like, Oh, they think I'm cool. What's up? <laughs> cool. Eventually, you know, they're like, dude, we need a guitar player. You play guitar. See, so you play guitar up there. And, uh, we became best friends and toured the whole damn United States together <laughs> for, for many years. And before you know it, you're like, damn, I'm growing up. I'm growing up on the road. And everything that got me, got me into this, you know, isn't, ex- I don't have the same exact perspective on it that I did when I was just a teenager in my, in my hometown, you know? Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's crazy to think how involved we ended up, ended up being and like what, 
big part of the the story you know what little part of the story that we that we contributed is still still amazing to me well it was it was i you know i'm just a very passionate metal fan so i remember Mm -hmm. and also during the time that you guys came out because you know how you're saying your perspective of what you were born and raised around was all you knew like that was just what the truth was i remember for me personally at that time um i didn't get brought up around it but i thought look i'm going to try and see into this world because all these faith bands are coming up i gave it a go it didn't work for me but i remember going going to some churches trying to give it a go but as hell retreats i remember when the band popped up with revival um all these bands are around, but Re- Revival and the band itself, you guys were doing something that was way heavier than a lot of the mainstream attention Christian bands were doing. Because a lot of bands were doing the metalcore cliches, yeah. you know, the standard heavy part, melodic part. And you guys were just mm-hmm. going balls to the walls, Meshuggah kind of esque stuff. Um, yeah, just trying to riff. Yeah. <laughs> We just wanted a risk. What yeah. was it like? I feel you. We thought we were bringing something. We were hoping that we were bringing something cool because we were all all Christians, but all going and like as hell back in the day would play all the sick metal local shows. We play with Drop for a Cowboy or you know like anything heavy. We would be on that shit, and um, yeah, that was just what we thought was cool and. And I definitely felt that when we would play with other Christian bands that we were kind of doing something a little different for the time, a little ahead of its time in a, in a way. I wish, uh, like, eventually I would love to, to even expand on that catalog a little bit whenever I have time. But now I'm more busy than I've ever been. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's... Just write some riffs, some extra stuff so what was like in that before we jump into like some Gideon stuff what was it like during that phase for you and for the band because you said that you know suddenly you're growing up on the road um and you said also that you were playing playing some shows the band were definitely out and about um but were you actually gaining traction because from an outsider looking in it looked like the band always should have been a bit more bigger than it ever got we we gained some pretty good traction i mean like to this day like you bringing that up it's like every 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 tour we go on at least if it's a month-long tour i'd say at least 10 people mention mention it to me Mm. but like i still we were when we broke up we were doing the best that we had we'd ever done we did a headliner tour with uh era was our direct support which they're still rocking killing it um that was like the last real tour we did and everything went really well but yeah it just kind of fell apart like on the back end um with business stuff and we um with our label and all of that you know and we we never wanted to end on a bad note when we were all just hate, hating each other and burnt out. And so we, we thought about it really hard and decided, man, like if we're going to have to start over with a label and try to keep going with this, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to, if we're going to survive it or not, you know, or if it's going to be worth our a waste. It felt like we had some setbacks and some major setbacks, you know, I think that 
we could have done we could have done a lot more than what we did, but we did a lot. We played almost every state in, in America, played Canada, toured all over all over the United States, which is huge. You know, and I never that was I never even saw past that at the time. You know, I never thought that I could even do any more than that. And in fact, whenever we broke up, I I decided that I was like done touring. And before I could even play our final show, like I had already like agreed to fill in for Gideon, you know, like, (laughs) and I told them at the time, I was like, they'd all fill in, but I'm tired of dealing with stuff, man. I don't want to, I don't want to be like in charge of anything. I just want to play and, you know, I'll, I don't have to join the band, but I'll fill in for you guys for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and then I think for three years later, I actually joined the band. Yeah, like officially, officially became a position, and you're still kind of filling in seven, eight years later. So you're still you're doing a yeah. good job of filling in, yeah. obviously. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, I, I do remember that breakup though, because you and a plea for purging went on a kind of co-headline tour and i think the tour was called like Mm -hmm. quit your band get a job or something tour um yeah that was it and was were you because i know now you kind of have a job like andy does from plea for purging you do staging work or you know assist with staging for concerts um yeah was was that time you know you're saying you're feeling a bit burnt out and you weren't sure what you were going to do um, were you contemplating just completely finishing music and taking in work or was literally the timing of Gideon stepping in just stopped all that thought process? Really, you know, for me, I've always worked when I was off tour. It's just the only way, it's the only way to really like not die out on tour is to be able to support yourself and not, not rely on music income at first. So it was like, just a matter of whether I was going to ramp up and go full time into something or, or not. But I was really, I was like really convinced that it was like time to just go, you know, it was mm-hmm. time to just like focus on um, becoming an adult. Cause I was, I think uh, that was in 2012. So I would have been 21 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't even 21 yet. I was 20 like at the last show. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm watching all my friends, like a couple, a few of my friends are graduating college, dude, guys that, girls that did shorter courses, you know, and I'm just thinking like, damn, really feeling the weight of life, you know, and um, just knowing how much it takes, like how much you have to put in to, uh, to put yourself out there and to gain, to gain the fan base and the notoriety. It just takes a lot, man. And so at the time, you know, I was, I was totally cool with what I did, what I had done and felt super accomplished, you know, and little did I know, like even within a year, I would surpass what I, everything I had done. And at this point I've been in Gideon for longer than I was even in SO retreats, which is psycho to me, (laughs) you know, achieved an, an enormous amount of things compared to what we did with SO. Yeah, and you kind of, when you joined Gideon, uh, pretty much, like you said, 2012, um, and you're filling in at first, the band already had two albums under their belt, Costs and Milestone. Mm -hmm. For you, just filling in, but was there any sense of pressure and expectation because you're kind of coming into a band that at that stage you're 
in full momentum. They're getting the steam going, mm-hmm. but also you're switching from, you know, it. You're still playing guitar, but you're switching quite a dr- different style. You're going from the yeah. very complex riffing bass to without not demeaning it, but going to chugs. Like it's all about the chug and the breakdown. Um, was there any pressure and expectations of delivering for you? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it was such a weird transition at first. Well, I'd say it's a weird transition, but even before Gideon released costs, if we back up a little bit, I was, as our retreats and Gideon had already toured together. Um, we had already played, we played a show and then we, we were planning like our first full U S tour. Um, cause we had only done like basically the East, the East side of, of America with us on retreats. So we were like, we're putting together this tour. We're booking all the way across America, Gideon, let's do it together. So Gideon and Asshole Retreats and actually Daniel, the singer of Gideon, now his old band, because he wasn't even playing in Gideon yet, they were on it as well. Um, so all three of our bands just took off and did this whole tour. And, and on that on that like month-long tour, I even like helped Gideon a little bit. Like we were all writing at the time. I helped Gideon a little bit, wrote like a lead on costs, you know, like a random riff here or there. Um, and was already kind of kind of in with them, and then before before um, Milestone even came out, I had filled in for them. I had done like one or two tours, just you know filling in. So it was really natural that they would ask me to fill in after we broke up, like full time fill in, you know, because I already knew most of the songs on guitar at that point. But it was still, yeah, like you said, the transition between S Hell and Gideon was something something special because I was playing, I was playing seven string guitars and as hell, I was like fully sold on throwing guitar solos in every song and, you know, just putting a random clean jazz part or whatever and, <laughs> and everything, you know? Um, but I really respected what, what Gideon was doing. I had never, I had never really heard a band do it the way that they did it. And I was, I was a big fan even just, you know, playing shows with them I was like this band's got something you know this band's got a sound and they they had a lot of hype like more I had never like you know you see bands like Knock Loose coming up in in those first few months of them like really gaining hype and everybody's singing the words and you're just like damn where did this come from that's like what Gideon was like back back day, way back and uh, so I knew that it was something that I aligned with, like their, their style and their, their vibe was definitely something that I could get behind. You know, it definitely, it, there was a lot of pressure when it came to writing the record that uh, came after milestone for sure. But, you know, I think I wrote like, I don't know, four or five songs on that album. Plus like helping all the leads. And then I recorded all of it and tracked it all for them. And, um, yeah, man, a lot of pressure. <laughs> they, they were all, they were all about trying to do new, new stuff. Like even the things that they were writing for that third album, Gallus, like was stuff that they had never written before. Mm. So I was kind of, I was kind of in the middle, kind of freaking out at the time, honestly, like thinking like, man, like 
I've got to try to write songs that sound like this band, but they're not even writing songs that sound like this band. So where do I, where do I go with it? You know? Um, so yeah, man, it was a lot of pressure and then some, because we were all just still trying to figure out like what, what path to take musically. Well, that, that album Callist, um, it really showed that the band was forward thinking because there's a bit of everything on there. There was a bit of new stuff, like you said, and then there was a bit of like, you know, kind of what you wanted, you know, but everything, you know, for you at that stage had, once that album came out, were you yet a full-time member or were you still filling in? I was, I was a full-time member. So I guess it would have been about two, because when I started playing, it was like release week of Milestone when I actually started filling in. So that was like right at the beginning, 2012, you know, right when it came out. Um, and then I think we put out Callus in 2014. So it would have been two years of filling in. But, and right before we went into the studio, and it was one of those things that went, it went too far, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I had, I had for sure been helping with everything for a long time. And I think uh, the last straw was that we played, uh, we played Face Down Fest, and I knew all of the people from Face Down from, from Mass Retreats days. Um, and, you know, it just felt like such a family. And by the end of that, that first FaceTime Fest I played with them, uh, their, our old guitar player was just like, so do you want to just join the band now or, or what? <laughs> and I was like, we haven't talked about it in the last year, really. <laughs> We've just been touring and ignoring it. And it's kind of, it was a joke. Like I would, they would bring it up and I'd say, nope, I'm never going to join. <laughs> um, and <laughs> until until I did, you know, and I, I really felt that like camaraderie and we were, we knew we were about to, we were about to go into another writing process. And I was like, you know what, let's go. All right, I'll join. And then too far now you, you guys, you know, the whole time, you know, when you were filling in and then, you know, since then touring and grinding on the road is something you guys certainly aren't afraid of. Um, was that something that you were happy to do or did it take quite a bit of an adjustment? Because like, as I know this year, since, you know, you announce a new album, you guys are pretty much touring the whole rest of the year. Like what's that like for you as soon as you like a fully established member. And then it kind of felt like for two, three years before cold came out, all you guys did, what looked like was just tour, 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 tour. Yeah. That's co- that's always been our focus. It's like growing up as an American band. There's there's just so much pressure to keep on the road. Um, we've watched this and learned this the hard way that like American fans have an attention span that is not like other countries. You know, mm. um, they're just so used to bands being and things are changing. Uh, you know, it's getting a lot better. But um, from day one with metal, it's felt like you know, every band had the capability to come through your town or come, come through four times a year. You know, it's a huge place. You got plenty of places to play. You can make your way around and stay busy almost all year if you plan it right. Um, and especially for us at the time, we didn't have radius clauses or whatever. We were booking our own tours. And like, if we got on a bigger tour, I don't know, just things weren't super legit. You know, we were just, we wanted to be as busy as we possibly could because we knew that we we had to play in front of people to keep their attention. 
and uh, so that was just years and years of all we knew is like if we get the tour we do it you know like we not everybody gets tour offers like even great bands like don't have these opportunities so we just always try try to seize you know and I mean, not to say that we don't turn down random tours here and there when it doesn't work, but like we we've always known that we had to stay busy if we wanted to stay relevant, um, and we're not afraid to, to put some real time in. We've done we've done worse, you know. There's always there have been times where we were touring three months in a row without without even coming home, and that's just how it went. Not something that I love to. I don't like to be gone that long straight without any breaks anymore. But we did it, you know. We know it's possible. It's not easy on, I think, some something that people don't understand, or I think maybe they didn't understand then, maybe they are nowadays. Like you said, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy on, you know, not only your personal lives, but the inner relationships in a band because you guys yeah. are stuck with each other, not just for the show, but before the show, after the show, you know, for days on <laughs> end. Um is it something that kind of you constantly have to work at is that that you have to find a balance that sometimes little things that you disagree about, you know, you need to not care about sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, we, everybody has their own coping mechanisms. Everyone figures out their ways of, um, working around each other or working with each other, you know, and some some instances you're just working around each other when it gets to that point, but we all know when it's gone too far, you know, when we need time, we need space or whatever it is. It's it's all kind of dialed in at this point. But what's cool is we definitely have found like when you, for us, the further down the road we got, um, the more we realized that what we have more than anything is each other. So mm. coming together and being being a unit, you know, is super important to us. We do, we do all kinds of stuff together. We have rituals and um, before shows and things like that. We just like, we try to make sure that we have our own backs because no, at the end of the day, when you're traveling around the world, every, everything's just moving around you. Everything at home doesn't stop when you leave, you know, but what's constant is that we're always together. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, you're right. It's definitely a, it's hard. We wouldn't be able to do it without that attitude, you know, especially at this point in the process. Yeah. Um, and, if we didn't have each other's backs, we would, we'd be, we'd be gone already, you know? And it's really, so that's, that's pretty much the best, um, remedy for, for our situation is to just stick together. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's something that, you know, you guys also, you, you're maturing and becoming different people, on the road, you know, as you said, you're growing up on the road. So, you know, everyone's learning about themselves, but learning about each other. So the fact that you guys are able to still be a unit at the end of the day, because the only person that cares for the band is you guys. So, um, yeah. it's really, yeah. you can, you can see that the band is a, is a family. Um, now yeah, it certainly is. We spend more time with each other than we spend with our family. <laughs> yes, it is. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Now the switch into cold. Um, couple questions on cold was first off the what I felt was a kind of a distance from that face down, face down, not intentionally, but 
Face Down had a very link of everyone here is Christian, and you guys switched up to Equal Vision. Um, I know, I think around this time, I started to notice that the band maybe were trying to distance themselves from the tag of Faith, because that album is fucking amazing. Like, I crank that constantly. Um, I still go back and listen to the other ones as well, but that, for me, without having heard the new one yet, is amazing. So at that time, what I'm trying to ask is, um, was the label switch a conscious effort? Like, was that intentionally you wanted to make a change to shift away from the tag that people were labeling you? Well, um, the label switch was had very little to do with that, but it was just kind of basically whenever we went to to uh, figure out, you know, we were out of contract with with Facetown, and uh, we definitely considered coming back to Facetown. Um, for us, it was mostly a decision where we wanted a we wanted a label that had a bigger reach than um, just in general more. Um, more things at their their disposal, more uh, tools at their disposal for uh, promoting the band, mm-hmm. and um, so that was our main focus at the time. We were like afraid of we were afraid of at the time because we were we were all still kind of like in transition. We hadn't none of us had talked to each other about how we were feeling about our faith at the time. It was it was purely a decision based on like trying to do what's best for our for our band and the reach of our of our music you know and um and so i mean when we wrote when we were recording uh when we were recording cold i will say like there were there was one song that we want we wanted to put a cuss word in but we still were we weren't even trying to like step away from anything we just were trying to be transparent we were trying to be real you know um even with that one and we hadn't really fully and i'm you know everything's a journey like like i've said in other interviews and whatever but like this it's it really was just a transition Mm. um period for us as uh so i'm not saying that like we've arrived where where we're ultimately ending up but like we were definitely not there yet whenever we recorded that album we were still trying to figure out where our place was and what we all believed and whatever but like the face down thing is something like we forever respect those guys to to this day like jason when we put out our last single emailed us the owner of face down and just said like love the single guys hopefully see you in hawaii soon it's like living out there you know like it's it was never a, a conscious thing with that particular instance though yeah. Well, the album does. The album does feel like it was a darker time for the band. Like, not to say the album, yeah. the other albums aren't dark, but this one, Cold, definitely felt dark. Um, yeah, were, definitely was. And it seemed also that um, it was a bit of a launching pad because that album was really well received. Not the other. Not that to say the others weren't, but this. Cold seemed uh, to really definitely yeah uh, to Callus it was well received yeah and um was there a lot of buzz behind it for you guys yeah man when we put that album out um it was 
it was a breath of fresh air for sure. Um, it was something that we felt super proud of, you know, we felt really proud of, of Callus as well when we, when we put that out, but really we were trying a lot of new things and, you know, um, the process of recording a record is so intense. Uh, when we came into, uh, cold, we had a lot more material to work with. We had a lot of things figured out already. We knew, um, that the pressure was on, you know, like if we put out a bad record after like Callus was to me was opened so many doors for us, uh, stylistically and fan base wise, but we knew we had to like, really bring it for that that next record or else it was all of the semi-negative like man i don't know about this one but i still mess i still listen to the band you know i still support it all of that would have flipped the other way if we weren't able to deliver something that we were that we felt good about and so i yeah for, that was my my view on it whenever we were going into that that album i just felt like i needed to riff really hard and we needed to to show we were going through and like you said it was yeah it was a very dark time for us it was definitely the first time that we had dove into discussing and and dealing with um things like depression and we had a i think i'm you know a milestone in cost that we kind of touched on it but not like specifically depression you know and and um we had gone through a lot of stuff and just wrote about what we were going through you know and that's how how it came out the way it did. We were really feeling like, like the album, like the album uh, name, Cold. We were just feeling super mm-hmm. cold toward the world in general and just trying to figure out, man, like now we know all this dark, the dark side of all of this stuff. Like how, how are we going to translate this? You know, it's... and how are we going to move forward? Such a such a sick album. Like you, you, you just look at songs like "Watch Me Sink," is like you know an outstanding yeah, my track. Yeah, my favorite track on the album. Yeah, me too. I love that. I love that song. Um, yeah, and that's one of the ones on that album that I was able to write all about. Like musically, I wrote that that whole song by myself, trying to trying to be trying to channel the emotions of what we were dealing with at the time. And Jake brought brought the big guns writing some very very introspective and very deep uh lyrics about loving someone that just overall that song really uh really spoke the most on the album to me it's amazing um then the next thing next thing you guys did was i saw when you guys released the two track no love no one which um, I don't know what you guys are doing or what you're eating or what you're drinking, but you guys are sitting in the bar because those two songs, oof, like, um, you guys release this, these two tracks. So there's kind of a couple of parts to this question. Why, um, only a two song kind of release. And then the second part of the question was the backlash you got for people suddenly noticing, uh, through these songs that you weren't really christian anymore or you know that kind of thing um so what was it like for you when you dropped these two two tracks oh man yeah it was cool because you know with cold we had put a big emphasis on the maturity of of the songs 
um, just trying to make sure that we did things that were kind of riffs that were, that would hold up in our minds to like the test of time, just things that were like classic kinds of, kinds of riffing, you know? And, um, when we went to do that two song EP, basically what happened is we had some budget left over from, from cold, uh, with the producer, because we were planning on adding, we were going to add some more songs to cold. Um, and we were supposed to go back and retract some vocals and do some, do some little stuff and some life stuff ended up happening to where Dan couldn't make it up to do the parts. And we had already, it already had already been paid for. So we were like, man, you know, maybe we'll do an EP down the road or a split with somebody or whatever. Um, and then, uh, Caleb, our, our good buddy, um, joined the band playing bass. Um, he played in local, those fear and he played in local bands that, that we were playing with back in the day, way back, like from day one, cause he's from, uh, kind of from the same area that we're from. Um, and the dude came in with all kinds of material, just songs and songs and songs, songs on top of songs, like so many songs of, um, cool parts that we were like, man, we could probably use that. So we started really gelling with him and wanted to preserve the, wanted to push forward what we had been working on or what we built with cold with the, trying to be, trying to put our transparency and maturity like forward, you know? Um, so that's how those songs ended up, ended up coming out. But yeah, so when they came out man, I, it was a, a day of joy for all of us we were we were just so happy to unleash that we were we felt like we were sitting on it forever and it's like this beast just waiting to be to be unleashed um because we knew it was going to shake things up a little bit you know and um yeah it was cool it was a little bittersweet like the um the responses and the backlash was was definitely apparent but no one could really assume until we talked about it i don't think anyone could really full-on assume where we were headed with it um and people were holding on were definitely holding holding back knowing that so um it wasn't as as intense of a it wasn't as intense of a backlash in retrospect now um since since we uh put that article out with Kerrang, it's, it's been a completely different thing and what's that? What's that been like for you guys? Are you are you finding that some people are respectful of the fact that you know it's a bit weird nowadays with backlash with music because you know I remember when if you didn't like something that was it you know you didn't have this platform to give someone backlash. But are people respectful of the fact that it's your life and you can go through whatever you want to go through? And or are people a bit you know having a go at you and saying how dare you you know? you know, you're giving up on a life of, of heaven and, you know, you're sinning and blah, blah, blah. Like what, what's that like yeah. for you guys? Man, it's been, it's a roller coaster, really. Like, um, there are all, there are all kinds of reactions, anything you can imagine. Um, but it's a, it's an overwhelming majority of, of positive reactions, which is the best that we could hope for. We knew it was going to make people upset. Even people who don't care about the band, can see the story and get upset you know um it's just a misconception about there's kind of a a bit of a misconception about our our attitudes toward it um which 
understandably, like I knew, I knew it would be like this. So it's not whatever, but it's been harder on some dudes than other dudes. Um, like I've already explained, I have a family that's extremely super supportive of me. Not everybody has that, um, even within our band, you know? So, um, and everyone's got kind of the same story all of our families are really into Christianity. Um, and some of them, like I've talked, I've talked to a few leaders about it already, and previously to this, uh, previous to the to the article. Um, but I don't think any of us really knew what to. None of us really knew how how far it would uh, it would reach or how far the uh, the backlash would extend. You know, not to say that it was super super bad, but it is crazy it's crazy to watch. There's mm-hmm. a lot of hatred, a lot of, uh, a lot of people very, very upset about it. Um, who just assume the worst about the situation. Some people even believe that we were completely, uh, fabricating our entire upbringing or, of and like, or just saying that we were Christians playing music for, um, some sort of gain, momentary uh, game you know but uh it's life to us you know so sometimes that stuff hurts um but you move on because we that's what this album is about you know it's about pushing through and letting uh just letting people know that you're 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 worth you know that you're we're doing our our thing you know we're being ourselves just letting people know that we are uh doing this for it's not even just for us you know because there are so many people who this is something we have to remember there are so many people in the south that grow up not being able to talk to anybody about who they really are or how they really feel um people that kill themselves because they because they're gay and they and the parents are super christian and everyone in their life is super christian and they don't Mm. see any way out you know literally so many comments of things like that you know and that's what that's what makes us know that we're doing what we we're following our hearts was like the right thing to do for us almost feels like we're able to you know i feel a lot better about being this than than what we were even though we believed that wholeheartedly you know i do think it's i do think it's really ironic um and in some ways hypocritical that people who say they are of faith i th- you know i think the whole idea is you're supposed to love love thy neighbor no matter what like really you're just supposed to support yeah. each other um and if you're of that faith ba- background and then you're you're having a go at someone for doing their own thing it seems it seems really hypocritical it it for me yeah. it really scratches my head because yeah, it comes off it definitely comes off like that um for us though it's such a weird position to be in because we have been that we have like felt that we've understood like that attitude you know and that was like that's one of the things that that dis- distanced us distanced us in the first place mm. you know so like seeing it is not a surprise but it's still like sucks to see you know because for us we really want to just be cool 
with everybody. You know, mm. like we don't have a problem. We legitimately have no problems with the good that Christianity does. Um, no disillusions of, of like them not doing any good or anything like that. You know, like if it works for you, I believe wholeheartedly that you, you should go for it, but don't, you know, it's not at the expense of other people. And that's my problem with it. Yeah. You know, um, Switching gears into the very exciting album that is about to be released, um, Out of Control, um, October the 11th. Um, what was, what's it been like for you guys? You know, some people are saying the sound of the album's different, but when I heard the first single, Take Me, it it's still, it's Gideon. Like, it just sounds like, it sounds a bit crunchier, bit more, you know, thump mm-hmm. to it. Um, but people are saying, you know, I've heard people saying it's a different album, blah, blah, blah. It's a bit heavier. You've gone more hardcore. Always thought the band was hardcore, so it's kind of confused me a bit. <laughs> um, so what was it like for you guys in the process? Was it very much an outlet? And what have, what have been the aims and goals with the album writing-wise and getting it out-wise? Yeah, man. It was a it was an extremely therapeutic situation for us. Like now that it's all done, it was very stressful because it's uh, you know we're we're bringing as much um, as much as to the table as we can. You know, we're put we pushed ourselves further than we've ever gone, playing wise, all around, songwriting wise. We put a lot more thought into this than anything. You know, and you hope to hear that from from every band when they put out a new album but you know for us it's it's a deeply personal process um just knowing coming into this that it was going to be it was going to ruffle feathers like either way you know whether it was good or bad you know but we decided to like i was telling you about caleb coming in you know, whenever he, whenever we got into the album process, it was just more and more apparent that we were going to be able to do some things that we always wanted to do, some things that we started trying to do back in Callous days, but maybe didn't have the full vision, um, or maybe we just didn't have the capability at the time. We were still young, you know, we're still young, but we've all been trying to push ourselves forward since day one. Um, so it was pretty apparent once these songs started shaping up that like, man, we're going to go all in on this. We're going to, we're going to, if this is sick and we think it's sick, we're going to put it on the album and we're going to do it a hundred, you know, we're going to go all out. So, you know, putting, take me being the first song was very intentional. Like that song is for sure the most uh, melodic hardcore, um, uh, rooted song on the album, but every song has its has its thing, you know. Um, we we tried really hard to make all the songs very unique, and we brought so many so many things throughout all these songs. But that you know, at the end of the day, we are Gideon. You know, like that that is a take me as a part of Gideon. That's a part of what our heritage as a, as a band is. And it's all sprinkled in there melodically throughout the whole thing. Ooh. Um, heavy parts, new parts, 
bouncy parts, groovy parts, you know, it's just as much as, as hard as we could go in the sickest thing. We didn't, we tried not to settle on anything, um, which of course made the process very intense, trying not to settle on anything, you know, and it took a long time to finish all of it, but, uh, we're extremely, extremely pumped. Ooh. So well, you just show everybody because it's, it's just been, it's just so much of who we are in this album. And like we, we almost, we almost pulled a fucking self-title album move <laughs> because of it. Um, but we'll see. Well, you, you've got, you've, that. you've got me itching even more. Um, Oh yeah. I, I just was released song, uh, secretly today, actually. Yeah. Bite me or something. Um, yeah. Bite down. Bite down. Oof. I haven't had a listen yet. I haven't had a listen yet, but I, I know that as soon as I get off here, I'm going to um, oh, yeah. ha- have a crank of that <laughs> with the headphones on. Um, I'm really excited for it, man. I think um, from what you've shown uh, with Take Me and also with the, the two track that um, it feels like the band aren't slowing down. Uh, feels like momentum's high. And I think it's also exciting for you guys that you're able to kind of get off your chest everything in life, um, express it. Mm-hmm. And just run with it. Um, and I think I think everyone's going to get behind it because I think Gideon have become a band where I mention it to a lot of people. They know the name and hopefully, uh, touch wood, this one propels it even yeah. further. I hope so, man. Yeah, we tried to. I definitely feel like with this, we tried to show all sides, you know, all attitudes of, of what what is it, what it's been like to be in our position for the past few years, like from the the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, like some days you're feeling extremely irrational and there are songs that feel, that feel like that, you know, and there are songs that are a lot more introspective. So I just hope everyone is able to, to gather that and, um, and see where we're coming from. Yeah. Well, I've got my pre-order way it's coming. It's going to take yeah, forever yeah. to get to Australia, but uh, um, it, it will get here yeah. eventually. Yeah. Sorry about that. It, it usually One gets here. We'll something out. It usually <laughs> gets here about, it gets about here three weeks after the release. Like Jesus. <laughs> it's so you pre-order it. Cause you're like, yeah, sick. I'll get my vinyl um, and get my CD, but then you wait and you're like, well, the album's been out three weeks. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> Australia. Hopefully, I like it by the time my my vinyl gets here. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully, I haven't forgotten that it's coming. Yeah, sometimes you do. You go, yeah. Oh shit! I I pre-ordered this. Oh, I didn't remember that. Um, but that's Australia yeah, Post. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, last couple of questions before I let you get back to thing, man. Um, and one is about the kind of being in a band now and social media being a platform that a band needs to utilize. You know, you mentioned earlier MySpace and MySpace was kind of the yeah. start for it when bands found there was this kind of free platform where they can really utilize it and get their stuff out there. And now it's all about covering multiple platforms, but it's also about um, making sure you gain attention, but also not flooding the attention with repetitive things. Um yeah. Is it something that you guys are very aware of? Um, and also, is it something that has taken a bit of time to learn and adjust to? 
yeah, it's something we're we're definitely aware of, and it's uh, it's kind of a learning curve a little bit. I don't know. Um, sometimes I feel like social media isn't the same to us as it is to like the normal, the uh, you know, listener, like the normal person who's just on social media. You know, to an extent it is, but like it's always sometimes you have a tendency to want to like step away from it because um, this. Uh, more of a microscope on you, I guess, of everything that you, that you are, um, online, you know, cause it, ne- it never really fully translates. And that's kind of what we're all out here trying to do is just to get across who we are, you know? Um, but yeah, man, doing, managing the social media for, for the band itself is, is something that's, um, pretty difficult. Mm. Cause like you said, you don't want to, you don't want to, you want to keep, your stuff in front of people, but you don't want to flood flood them with stuff. And the only way to really, really utilize it is to put money into um, digital marketing and and all that. And it gets really deep. It it brings you closer and closer to being like a legit business. It is. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like out here trying to to put in money to uh, to keep things going and keep the ball rolling. You know, um, and it's uh, it's such a finicky thing, but it's also also can be beautiful when it when it plays out the way that you need it to. You know, social media is an extremely important part of marketing and getting uh, something that we're constantly trying to learn uh, more about. For sure, we put out um, with Bite Down. We did a thing where it was just uh, you text a number to a to a certain uh, you text Bite Down to a certain number and you get a link. You know, and that was an attempt to uh, to get some sort of underground um, spreading of word of mouth. You know, it's all about like trying to make people talk in real life about things they see on the internet. You know, because um, word of mouth is still the strongest way to spread. Yeah, spread your everything. It's also it's and also it's a, a very, peculiar thing. That's a very unique way of doing it too, though. Doing the text the number thing because a lot of people wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, well, initially we were like, we didn't want to do some like, hey, the song leaked before it really goes up, or, you know, not like a fabricated <laughs> fake thing, but we wanted a way to get people talking about it, like leading up to actually putting it up on, on everything. Um, and yeah, we went back and forth. There was uh, talks, um, a friend of ours mentioned, maybe try a text ring, like where you send and people text to each other a link or whatever. And we talked to the label about it, went back and forth and marketing company, uh, working on the album and stuff. And yeah, they came up, they came to the table with that and we were like, cool. Yeah, that's going to be tight. That reminds me of when I was a kid and I'd see on TV, you get a ringtone mm. text, whatever. That's, I don't know if that's, I, I don't even think it works outside of America actually. Um, well, I'm I know, not sure if it I know it's, um, I know it's on YouTube. Somebody's already put it up on YouTube. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where I'll be listening yeah. to it. Um, and that's kind of the point of of doing it like this. Just let people let people spread it and do do what they're going to do. I know there are some reaction videos up as well too already. So already, check those out. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> dudes don't waste time, yeah. do they? Fuck. Um, no, they don't. That's like my favorite thing too. We love reaction videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, kind of like the linking question to that is. 
the record industry nowadays for a band. Um, there's been a lot of a change from when you and I were growing up to what we see today. And what's that like for you as an artist and a band? Um, do you find that you're having to learn through the changes the industry's making, or is it a still, you know, things like merch very vital for you guys to focus on? Because some bands don't focus on merch, but Gideon seems to always focus on, you know, like the variants for the vinyl and um, T-shirt mm-hmm. designs because with the industry, you still need to make money, and a vital way to make money. Yeah is through physical things like merch and stuff. So where where for yeah. you is the industry nowadays? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know, um, I think the industry is is on the cusp of something um, pretty good. I think the awareness of, of the fact that so much money um, just goes between actual artists' fingers and into other people's pockets, you know, that daily it seems like there are things working in our favor happening every day you know um but uh yeah man it's so different now uh, we're lucky with our label that they're they're on our team you know like they they want they want to figure out just as bad as we do where everything's moving and what's gonna what's gonna appeal to the people of the world at this point you know um they're learning and trying new things constantly um and i'm grateful that we have a label that does that because i'm sure there are ones out there that don't but yeah we're just constantly trying to figure out what how to present things how to put things out push in front of people and and they're doing more and more out out of the box things every day it feels like uh it kind of makes it feel like everybody is kind of at a loss and wants to wants to know like where's the missing link here from back in the day when labels were paying tour support and everyone was selling millions of records and, you know, the only people playing as much as we're playing were actual career musicians with great, uh, you know, with money in the bank. And that's, there's like a, definitely a shift in a lot of growing pains. Um, I feel like, I do feel like we are on the cusp of something though. Um, and it's cool to kind of be, present through uh, these phases Um, because every time we get through one I think like man we're unstoppable you know (laughs) like MySpace era getting through MySpace being gone was a huge thing Mm. for everybody you know and it's still like not quite our Twitter to me is like the closest thing to being like it's not even the same platform but the, the level of engagement and like quantifiable attention span you know, is all there. Um, but back, man, back in the day, we were booking tours completely by ourselves through MySpace. Mm. You know, that was that was a real thing. Just messaging the promoters, MySpace pages, to, and just getting getting shows that way. You know, um, yeah, man. I don't even know what to think of it, but I like to think that the industry, and especially for heavy music, is moving in a positive direction. Um, and you know, heavy bands are getting bigger than, than they ever, than they have in a very long time, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's always positive when people are still buying things like vinyl. You know, people say that streaming's yeah. the only platform, but, you know, you guys had with that two-track two, two track single, your vinyl was going quick, 
like hotcakes. So it's exciting. Yeah, they're all gone. Yeah, completely gone. Yeah, those. Are, yeah, that's the thing. Merch too. That that's where you. Just to touch on that part of the question, I forgot about that part. But yeah, we. I think that it's getting more and more where like bands have to keep a hand in what they're doing, making sure that um, that you're putting forward the kind of things that that you want to see for your band. You know, and I don't think a lot of not a lot of bands really um, take care of their merch in the way that we do. And uh, we definitely fail sometimes at like keeping it going and whatever. It's just a lot to keep up with. But we are very like very particular about the kind of merch that we put out. Pretty much every shirt, every little thing is something that we've come up with or or you know figured out for the most part. You know, and for us, that's that's been the best way to make sure that we're that people are getting what they want. You know. Mm the people are getting the, the kinds of things that we want to see. And we just kind of hope that people get it, you know, and it seems to work out best that way. Our, our designs do the best whenever we can really think about it and put forward the effort as opposed to just letting whoever come up with stuff for us. Yeah, it shows. I mean, I think that's why you guys sell a lot of merch is because it shows that you put the time and effort into it. Um, so it's really good. Um, it's kind of uh, it's needed um so everyone listening make you know buy some fucking merch um you know it's not hard to do um i i'm of the old school yeah well i'm of the old school that you know and i still am if i love a band i want to have a fucking shirt i want to rep it you know i'm still i'm still of that that style um now tyler the last thing we do to wrap things up is a bit of a fun segment um, it's called Pick Your Poison. So what I do here right. is I give you two options. You pick your favorite of the two options. Now, some, some are going to be hard. You know, it's going to make you think. Uh, but it gives everyone a little insight into what makes Tyler tick. Um, and you can justify cool. your answer, but you don't have to. All right? Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's go. So would you rather a pizza or a burger? Pizza, for okay. sure. Okay. Um, only I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Pizza has a lot of good options. There are some good veggie burgers, but uh, but yeah, pizza is always safer for me. Now, would you prefer a soft taco or a hard taco? Soft. Okay. Soft taco. Would you rather smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? I'm a smooth guy. Okay. Smooth. I like the peanuts getting stuck in my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Would you rather a coffee or a tea? Mm, Coffee, for sure. Okay. A coffee head. Do you like to cook at home or dine out? You know, cook at home. Okay. But I don't do it as much as I should. I have to say that for sure. In case Um, anyone I know is listening. Do you want to see a new movie at the cinema or from the safety of your couch? Mm. Cinema. Okay. Cinema for sure. Uh, Do you rather the beach or the snow? Fucking beach. (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) Shit sucks. It's wet. (laughs) 
um, best answer yet. Um, do yeah. you are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Yeah. All the way. I'm looking at her. Looking yeah. at her right now. What kind of dog you got? I got a pit bull. Way. Oh. Yeah, about five years old. Oh. Very sweet. Yeah, I've got I've got three, two staffies, and then a dash hound. So nice, yeah. nice. Love them. Love dogs. Um. Yeah. Right. Terminator or predator? Predator. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Definitely predator. Batman or Superman? Batman or Superman? Mm. Uh, Batman. Okay. Batman. Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Okay. Okay. From both. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Okay. That's, uh, Jason always seemed a little, never really scared me too bad. Freddy, fuck you up in your nightmares. Yeah. He's messed up, isn't he? Um, yeah, definitely. Walker, Texas Ranger or MacGyver? Walker, Texas Ranger. Okay. Because it's Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Um, that overpowers. South Park or Simpsons? For sure. Ooh, man. Uh, Simpsons. I like, I like South Park, but yeah, Simpsons for sure. Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Okay. Okay. Pantera. That Texas swing. Corn or Limp Biscuit? Ooh, that's a hard one. But uh, Limp Biscuit. Okay. Limp Biscuit. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hate Lars, but. Love Metallica. It's fine. Manson or zombie? I'm going to have to go. I'm gonna, man, that's hard for me. I saw Manson uh, one time at uh, the APMAs just make a fool of himself, and that kind of turned <laughs> me off to Manson, but I think he still wins. I think he still wins. Um, yeah, Manson. Terra or Mad Bull? Terror. Mm, nice. Hard. They're both hard, but terror is more my style for sure. Uh, Biggie or Tupac? <sighs> hard questions, bro. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Biggie. Yeah. I think he would have made. I think he would have. They both would have gone way further than they did, but Biggie had a crazy flow, so I go Biggie. Yeah, good answer there. I like that one. Um, Wu Tang Clan or NWA? I'm a, I'm an NWA head for sure. Yeah. Wu Tang is incredible though. They did, yeah. I'm gonna go NWA. Okay, now we've got a last couple here. Do you prefer to have stage dives going on while you're playing, or do you prefer mic grabs going on while you're playing? Stage dives. Yeah, for sure. Stage dives are like uh, the most energetic thing that you can see when you're when you're on stage. They do have a downfall of stepping on my pedal board pretty often, but uh, I think it's worth it. Um, if you go to a show, do you want to watch it from the mosh pit 
or up the back by the sound booth? Um, usually it's sound booth, but it really just depends on how fucking ridiculously heavy it is. We'll see. <laughs> if it's <laughs> Meshuggah. Last time I saw, um, Left Behind. I don't know if you've listened to that band. But yeah. It moved me. I went straight up into the monster and just stood in there. Wanted to feel it. Well, put it this way. If, if Meshuggah was playing, you'd be in the pit, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I and I have. Yeah. So yeah. Um, okay, we got <laughs> we got two left. Would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Damn. Yeah, that's a really hard one. Uh dude, I don't know. I guess record. Mm-hmm. I wanna say tour, but but you know, I could travel and record and not be touring. Mm. I don't know, man. That's a hard one. Probably touring. Okay. If I'm not doing the other one at all, I switch. I flip flop. And I like to play shows. The last one. If you are to own an album, do you want it on CD, vinyl, or streamed? Mm. Definitely uh, vinyl. That's the only time you feel like you really, uh, you really own it. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, me. Tyler, we have smashed that we've gone a little bit over time so i gotta say thank you for that but absolutely killed it dude thank you so very much man really really appreciate it no problem a lot of talking to me i like your style oh appreciate it man like it was it felt really easy it flowed it's no problem i appreciate you doing like paying attention and your research it was a great conversation thank you Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. And we'll, when you're next down in Australia, um, come down to a show, hang out and have a soda or something. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good to me. All right, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon, hopefully. Yeah.
unleash the words that I live by Buy down or quit But dig deep if you think that you can fuck with this Oh, oh, oh.
So that was my chat with Tyler from Gideon. At the end there, you heard the track Bite Down. You also heard Take Me. Both of those tracks are from the band's forthcoming album titled Out of Control, which sees its release on October the 11th. And the other track you heard there is Cursed from the band's album Cold. So this is the part of the show where I spark that excitement, I spark that interest in you to get behind and support the band and the artist that's been on the show. So if you don't know Gideon, now is your opportunity. A lot of outstanding releases this band has done. Jump online if that's how you consume your music and start streaming the fuck out of it. If you like your physical copies, get onto eBay, get onto merch now, whatever it is, and buy a CD, buy a vinyl, buy a t-shirt. And if you like your physicals while you're there, pre-order this absolutely outstanding upcoming album, Out of Control. You've only got a couple of weeks left to pre-order, so get in there. Also, if you're somewhere local and you see Gideon playing, grab a fucking ticket. Get down, get in the pit. I want to take this moment again to thank Tyler, you absolute fucking legend. Thank you so very, very much, dude. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Looking forward to catching up next time you're in Australia. Thank you again for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 85 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.